Welcome to the Vinyl Impressions Radio Show Syndication Podcast, where we bring you the groove and essence of radio, all wrapped up in the timeless charm of vinyl records. I'm your host, Martin Brown, and on this show, we delve into the world of radio, exploring captivating interviews with station owners, talented presenters, and visionary entrepreneurs. Join me as we uncover the secrets of successful radio promotion and discover innovative ways to elevate your online presence. Whether you're a station owner, a show presenter or a DJ, our guests offer valuable insights and strategies to help you flourish in the digital age. To get in touch with the podcast or share your thoughts, drop us an email at podcast at vinylimpressions.club. For more updates and exciting content, visit our main website at vinylimpressions.club and connect with us on our Facebook page, Vinyl Impressions Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast enthusiasts and fellow music aficionados, get ready to journey through time and sound as we introduce you to a remarkable guest who has truly earned her regal moniker. It is with great pleasure and we present to you a captivating individual who has taken the airwaves by storm and carved her own path in the world of radio and music. Affectionately known as the Queen of the 80s, please welcome Laura Bowshaw. Laura, hello and thank you for being our guest today. Hello, thank you for having me, Martin. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Do appreciate it. Very welcome. And very welcome. Hospital radio presenter, which is what we're here for, really. Yes. And I'm and first female in the series, so well done to that. Yeah, one. that's good. Great um, to Can hear. I start off by asking you, please, um, can you share the story of how you got started as a hospital radio presenter at Chorley Hospital Radio in August 2002? Yes, it was. Yes, yes. It's just 21 years. Yeah, I always did a bit of DJing when I was at youth club in, in the 80s and um, always fancied doing something with radio and it wasn't until I became a patient actually at Chorley Hospital I was having an operation I thought I was only going to be in for the day and it turned out I ended up staying overnight and I got visited by the hospital radio team asking for a request and then I saw something in the paper that they were looking for people to do it as well so I thought I'd really like to have a go at it and I thought it's worth me having a go so I got in touch with them and they invited me in and like I did an interview and then I went round visiting around the wards getting to know the, the audience really more than anything seeing the sort of people that are coming in and what sort of music they're asking for and then I started doing a, a Thursday afternoon request show because I only used to work part-time then so I used to go around the wards and then go back to the studio and and, and do a show like that and literally people were fresh listening because they'd literally just seen me on the wards. Then as things trans transpired, I ended up doing the request show on a Tuesday evening, which is still is which has literally just come back after COVID. Um, we've not got as many ward walkers at the moment. So Tuesday eight till nine, I choose a different theme every week. And um, because we're on the, the web, we get people that sort of text in or contact us via our Facebook or our um, Twitter page. And, um, yeah, so I can play requests and patients can phone from the bedside as well if they want to. Huh? That, that's 
you filled in my first three questions there. Thank you. Oh, dear. Sorry. That's great. <laughs> that, that is great. That proves you really are a presenter because that's what they do. Um, <laughs> uh, you describe your uh, typical routine when you used to go around the wards and then present your shows. So what sort of people did you meet? Did that make up your show? Did that give you the ideas? Yeah. On, on the Thursday afternoon show, the request that they would make, I would tailor the show around to that genre of music or whatever that, that we're in. I had some fantastic experiences meeting people on the wards. Sometimes you'd go in and it'd be really quiet. And then after, there was a particular story I went in and we were we were just talking and I got all the ladies talking about all the different types of music that they liked. And so I got my request off. I went, I shut the door and I was looking through the window and they were all still chattering about what and they were all there getting ready to tune in and listen. So, yeah, it's, it's, it was really important that. So you mentioned having an evening show where you played requests. How did you curate yeah. the playlists for those shows? The evening request show, we have some ward walkers. They're purely ward walkers. They don't do any broadcasting, but they are... They've been doing it for a very long time. They go out to visit people on the wards, talk to them. Because some people don't have visitors. Um, some people have family that are away that they can't communicate with. Um, so the ward walkers go to them and talk to them and, and find out how they're doing and what would they like to hear on the radio. And that's how they put the playlist together now. You do get quite a few people say, oh, I like such an artist, pick such a track, uh, pick such an artist. Or they'll say, oh, I want a particular track, but I don't know the artist. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's where our knowledge all comes in. Um, and then I, I basically play those between eight and nine on Tuesday night. So I don't actually get down to the wards now because I work full time. Um, but when there's the opportunity arises, I do go around the wards if I can, because that's what it's all about meeting your audience and do you produce everything yourself that right from the beginning of taking the request absolutely yeah getting out there <laughs> yeah i do do everything myself social media everything <laughs> yeah is everybody on your station responsible for their own show or do you have somebody that's yeah out? yeah we, we have a like a station uh, station coordinator mm-hmm. who's like chairperson and then we have a station manager but it's mainly it's a team effort, to be honest, because there's such a different array of people. The youngest we have now is probably oh, probably about 30, and our oldest member is about 85. Ooh. So we've got a real wide spectrum of people who have like experienced different genres of music and lived through different genres of music. We have a guy, he, we call him Mr Rock and Roll. Because what he doesn't know about the 50s just isn't worth knowing. And he does a show where he just plays all 50s rock and roll and all that sort of things. And so he's like very specialist in what he does. We had somebody else who used to do country music. And then we had somebody else who used to do sort of, uh, who does 70s actually, 70s music. And then we have somebody else who does 60s. And then, of course, I do the 80s. But we don't try to restrict it too much because, again, you've got to keep your audience interested. What about the audience share now? It used to be when you went into hospital, you had to tune into hospital radio. That was the thing. Now you've yeah. got competition where they've only got to touch a button or bring their own iPad in or something, and, and you're not getting listened to. Does that affect you or have you got a good following? No, our, our, listen, our listening figures are quite good considering because uh, the radio's free. 
if they tune into their Hospedia set, they only have to tune into channel one and it's completely free 24 hours a day. And then they can phone the studio for free. We do get people that sort of ring in and want to speak to somebody. And then if they bring their iPad or whatever they bring in, again, we've just been fortunate enough, we've just developed our own app that you can literally get straight onto the hospital radio. And it also links you up to all the social media as well. So if you're sat in bed listening to this show and you want to, you just press on one of the social media and it can get a message through to the team straight away. So it's absolutely amazing really because if I just go back a little bit. So when I started hospital radio, it was just in the hospital mm-hmm. and they were still using the, you know, the headphones that you see in the carry-on films? Oh, right, yeah. They were still using those. Wow. So that's how much it's come on in such a short space of time. If anybody had said to me, in 20 years' time, you're going to be able to go on the World Wide Web and speak to people outside the hospital around the world, I'd have probably like just laughed and said, you're making that up because it was traditional hospital radio and the fact that it was only people in the hospital that got to listen. So it was very centralised in how it was done. It's good how you've changed with the times because yeah. I know of hospital radio stations that um, refused to go online. They said, no, it's strictly for our, we're going to stay faithful to our hospital listeners yeah. and the local community. But they were getting squashed out of it. And the hospital radios had to compete with internet radio stations, which have grown and grown. Did you find the transition smooth or did you just naturally fall in? Once once we got going, which was 2016, we've never looked back. Mm. Because like you say, you you attract an audience from outside, but you also attract people who are still coming in as patients. Our demographic for Chorley Hospital is quite old in the fact that a lot of the patients are elderly. So some of them don't have iPads, so they'll still use the headsets. And it's also the fact that we can we have people communicate from the outside that say, oh, my such a body's in such a ward, will you play them a track and give me give them a mention that I've sent them a message? So we're communication in and a communication out as well. So it's good. So, yeah, once we started in 2016, we've never looked back. That's good. Have you ever been tempted to go further afield? I know I personally am looking at starting my own radio station. It's so easy to do now. You literally just from your own desk at home with a bit, yes. of, bit of kit, you can broadcast to, with your own show, doing your own thing. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever attempted to be go away from hospital radio or do something else different? Yeah, no. When COVID hit, obviously the studio was closed we're really lucky because we've got two guys that are really hot on the technology and they were able to get it so that the the 24-hour system played and then when somebody wanted to go live from home, they could just do a transfer over. Don't ask me how they did it because that was beyond my capabilities. And yes, I did actually get like a mixing desk and I got a microphone but just time ran away with me and I know it sounds, I know we were at home and everything, but I was actually still working full mm-hmm. time and then I had other responsibilities. I didn't do it from home, but we had quite a few presenters that did. And then we had pre-recorded shows that went out and so that the station carried on all the way through the pandemic for anybody who wanted to listen. Nice. And it was, it worked really well. Yes, I do get asked to do things, uh, but I always gravitate back. I did something for a, 
a local radio a few years ago, a community station, and they said, and I was like, hospital radio, I always gravitate back to whatever happens. So do you find in several of the people that I've spoken to already, there's the the presenter with the ego and they want on, they wanted to go onto the station because I'm a DJ, look at me. Um, yeah. Any of those? Have you come across any of those? Yes, we've had a few over the years that, uh, that have been there and they don't last because that's not what the ethos of hospital radio is. It's about caring about people and, and a lot of us use it for our own benefit as well mm-hmm. to reach out to people and for them to reach out to us. Yeah, yeah, you do get those occasionally. <laughs> I've heard some fantastic uh, anecdotes <laughs> and how they always get their comeuppance. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask you, what do you think attracts people? Because like you say, you've got a 30-year-old and an 85-year-old. What attracts people to do it? What makes them want to do it? And they're so happy doing it, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Like I said, when I started, and we've tried to keep the same sort of format really when somebody comes the first thing they don't go in the studio and start broadcasting Mm -hmm. they have to go out to the wards and meet the patients and to be honest as well we get a lot of support from the staff because the staff oh yeah the staff are very good Um, because for them it's a lifeline for them because they can get somebody nice and settled listening to something they can and they can move around give patients all the attention they need by and so they love it they're always asking why isn't it packed through the hospital so that they can hear or sometimes they'll in a ward because there's a bay with four or six beds Mm -hmm. they'll put it on speaker so everybody can hear. We get a lot of support from the staff at the porters as well. They are, they're really, our, our studio is a, is a purpose-built studio next to the porters and they look after us really well. So, yeah, so I think it's the, it's the fact of, it's, it is like a family. It's a family though, sometimes you don't see people from week to week. Like I won't see anybody when I go in tomorrow, but there's always people around in another way on social media and we, we're all always all connected yeah i noticed the nickname queen of the 80s is quite yes. catchy how did yes. your passion for 80s music develop and how did you decide to incorporate it into your radio persona yeah so when when i started i went in with that all oh, of the 80s what sort of music do you like i love the 80s but uh, I've kept a record of some of my first shows that I did mm-hmm. and I can tell with the visiting that I'd done, I'd tailored the show to the people that were in the hospital. So the, it was quite a diverse mixture. It was like Queen, Kate Bush, Elton John. It was really diverse. Mm-hmm. So although obviously I absolutely love the 80s, I can't do a show on 80s every single week because that's not what hospital radio is about. I do some specials. And I get get request if if one of the ward workers says, "Oh, it's Laura's on tonight. She's really into it." So somebody will go, "Oh, can you play me such a thing?" Or can you ask her to pick such a thing? So I I do get that, but yeah, because I've just like I said, I've just been into the music, and it's just carried on from my teenage years. And yeah, I was just I'm just still quite obsessed with it all, and it, and I think social media has has, has made it even more accessible than it was. We only had smash hits in the 80s and now you can chat to your favourite pop star online and it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, you've mentioned the uh, 
social media several times. And yeah. I, is it, although some people can't stand it, I think it's great for something that, that we're involved with. Because absolutely are there. You just have to yeah. put yourself in front of them and you've got yes. yourself a show, haven't you, really? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And people like to get involved and they're interested because I think okay. the way I look at it is I was a patient in hospital. I know how I felt in hospital. I was lucky I had family, and, and, and but some people don't, and it's a lifeline, really. So I think some people do put themselves in that, that, that in their shoes as I say, how would I feel if I was in hospital? It'd be nice to have somebody to listen to and was playing music that picked me up sort of thing. With over, I know, 8,700 Twitter followers. I know, <laughs> clear that you've built a strong online presence yes so you've already touched on this but how did you manage to grow your social media following especially to the context of your love for the 80s music that's a very good question like I said I just found Twitter I know it's called X but it'll never be called X in my book it's always going to be Twitter it was the fact that you could communicate with you could say say thing and then you would get, oh, I remember this. And, oh, do you remember this? And, and it just grew like that. I must admit, I sometimes think, how did I end up with that many people? But <laughs> um, it's people who've got a genuine interest in, in the music and people are interested in hospital radio because it's a radio station. It's not like your normal radio station where they play something and they have adverts. We don't have any adverts whatsoever. No, we've got no adver- advertising or anything. All we all we play is the jingles and some more information jingles for people being in hospital to help them, um, giving them telephone numbers if they need to contact something, somebody over something. But basically, it's and then we just all promote each other's shows. Yeah, supporting yourself. Do you go out to do events and stuff to bring income in? No, we don't. To be honest, we just gener- generate income ourselves. To be honest. We are very lucky that we get a lot of support from the Lancashire Teaching Hospitals. They do help towards our costs. How that came about, they used to have a a little hut that was on the site of the hospital, which was before my time. And then when they were doing the refurb, the particular person at the time, they'd used hospital radio and they could see the benefits of it. So we got this purpose-built studio within like the depths of the of the hospital like I said quite near where the porters are so we've got two we've got two studios and a, and a vinyl library wow vinyl library like this yes um, yes when I started the vinyl impressions it was I had 10,000 I think vinyl records and it took me <gasps> four and a half years to transcribe them from vinyl to put them onto a computer system so I could oh. them easily but I love the vinyl when you could all you could get was vinyl <laughs> Yeah, you see, this is, again, this is how things have changed. When I went, it was all CDs. We had mini discs as well. Remember those? But they didn't take off very well, neither. But it was like the vinyl library, everyone kept looking at, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this? It was an ongoing thing. It was so nice. It was all that. And and like you said, now it's all come back round again. Yeah. Yeah, I I did use mini discs for a a short while. I ran a, a... DJ agency and it was great to record things and with the titles coming up and you could find it quickly and if you had a good night yeah. you which mini just to use but like you said it soon it went through a phase didn't it and then they tried yeah. to make them form yeah. we, we use it mainly for the jingles 
mm-hmm. because like you say, it's it's, more, it's very handy because then we can have a mini disc, a CD, or we have our quick pick system. And then we have two lovely turntables as well that get regularly serviced. So if you've got um, music on computer that you can just touch the screen and all that business in it? Uh, yes, yes. And, and some presenters bring in their own laptop or their iPad or their whatever. To be honest, I've only just started using my iPad in the last, what, I've only been back since June. So uh, prior to that, I always tended to use CDs or, or vinyl. Yeah, and I think as well, you when it's your own, you, you get a feel for the, you can almost read the audience and know yes. what it's, it's a natural thing rather yeah. than being overproduced or whatever. Yeah. So I do like... When I used to DJ at Youth Club, it was it was seven-inch singles. Oh, yeah. That's all it was. Brilliant. And it was like, so I do find it amazing how we've transitioned. Yeah. I used to come up and say, have you got such and such a record? Yep. Can you play the B side? And you all right. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So interacting with 80 stars and even getting voice messages. Yeah. Um, that sounds incredible. Could you yeah. share some memory, uh, some memorable interactions or experiences you've had through your online presence? Oh, in particular, Martin Kemp of Spandart Ballet. He was one of my first followers, actually, when I was on Twitter. And um, he's really into the hospital radio ethos. He really gets it. He had, he was ill for quite a while and he was in hospital. So he understands the ethos behind it. And uh, yeah, he's recorded quite a few voice messages for the hospital radio. He's, he's even tweeted in, can you play such a record? Yeah, and he's, I'm, I've just been sharing that obviously I've done Sage 2001, so it's 20, 22, yeah, 22 years. Because we, you get an award from the Lancashire Teaching Hospital when you've done 10 years service, 20 years and so on. So I got my 20 year service, but obviously I only got it presented to me later because of COVID. So I'd shared it and he'd liked it. And he, he's like I said, he sent a few messages and said he really understands it and he, he really was really supportive of it. In fact, quite a lot of them are. Claire Grogan as well, she she tends to tweet quite a bit as well. So it's really good. Bolted images. Yes, yes, yes. Um, are, they, are they still going? These- they are indeed. She's just got, she's doing a 40th anniversary show in October. So I'll be going to that. So, yeah, she gets it. She did an interview for Hospital Radio a few years ago. Uh-huh. Can you give us any insights you gained from talking with such an established artist? It's funny because you just think of, I know they're obviously the big stars, but you just think of them as, as ordinary people, really. And they're all very down to earth. I've met, met loads of different 80s stars and sometimes the first thing I say is oh, I'm queen of the 80s on Twitter and they go oh yeah yeah I know oh that's who you are yeah yeah and they'll, they'll sort of recognize you and, and every time I see Martin Kemp he always says how's the radio going how's it going what have you been doing and he always asks oh that's brilliant and, and when they do the voiceovers so many people just pinch them from somewhere but make them fit yeah. in with their station yeah bring their voice welcome to and they put their station yeah it's genuine they really did it is genuine yes it, yes there's one, he's obviously he's, he's recorded one into his iphone and he's obviously on the move because there's a bit of background noise but it's such a good it's such a good clip it's oh you just couldn't you couldn't pay to get that you really couldn't love that so 
What challenges have you faced as a radio presenter and how did you overcome them? Did any particular moment stand out as turning points in your career? COVID has been a big thing because literally we shut the doors whenever it was in March 2020 and it was a long journey to get the studio back open because obviously hospitals were probably one of the last places where they were still using masks and all that sort of thing. So that was quite tough because just trying to overcome the health and safety and the risk assessments to get the studio open. But we've met, obviously we managed to get it done and we opened again in June 2023. So we've only literally still in its infancy, really. So it's trying to get back the routines that we had before people going around the wards. We have one man, one gentleman that does every Sunday and he goes around the wards and then he does his show. So it's slowly coming back. But I think that's that was definitely... In fact, it was funny because I was in last week and there was somebody in with me because he was checking the equipment for when he did his show. And we've got all the CDs on the... And I said to him, I said... Three years ago, I used to go, I used to be able to walk over and pick a CD that I knew exactly where it was and exactly what was on it. Now, three years later, I'm having to relearn all that. Oh. and just like, oh, I know we've got this somewhere, but where is it? And then it's, so that, that, those have been um, a bit of a challenge. And we've had periods where we haven't been able to go near the studio because there's been an outbreak of something in the hospital. And sometimes we have gone down with the internet, that is very few and far between, though, because, we, like I said, we are very lucky. We have some really talented tech guys that do a lot of work behind the scenes. So, yeah, so... I think nothing... the radio, it's a, it's a lot more difficult than people imagine. They thought, well, you, you just come in, you just turn up and do yeah. it, and it's just for enthusiasts. But yeah. th- there's so many aspects to it. Do you have a magazine? Uh, we did do. Again, it's gone by the wayside because of COVID. We, like I said, we are very lucky because Lancashire Teaching Hospital put things in their magazines. Oh, and like I said, they want to support us. And uh, sometimes they'll get in touch and say, can you do such and such a thing? So we'll do, you, we'll do things for, the, for people in the hospital as well. What about recruitment? People coming on board all the time, is there a queue? Do you know, it is very hard to get on hospital radio. <laughs> it's We had some presenters from Central, they were called Century Radio at the time. I think they might be called something else now. Great, it might be Greatest Hits or it might be Hearts. Anyway, we had them come and they said that they found that getting into hospital radio is much more harder than actually getting into commercial radio. Yeah, because obviously there's the seeing patients and all that sort of thing. So we have to follow the hospital protocol. Uh, but also you, we're looking for people who are who want to give like a long-term commitment. We're not like you were saying earlier on. We don't want people coming in and just thinking it's a leg up to get into Normal radio and and yeah, and most of the people that come stay. We've they stay for us with us for a long time. We've just had we've had a couple of people who've had the 50 50 year service wards, yeah. And the main ones that are are still coming, they're between 30 and 40 years now, yeah. And obviously, I'm 22, but um, yeah, so people come and they, they, they do stay. I, I do uh, 
find from experience that a, a lot of the hospital radio stations tend to get applicants that are DJs doing weddings and parties and stuff that want to get on. That DJing is different than presenting, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Presenting it is a whole new world and, and a whole new skill that needs to be learned to get it right. And when yes. it's got to be, it's got to be so natural as well. We often mention previous presenters from a BBC or something. Somebody's got a favourite that they not base themselves on, but they look up to them. That's their mentor. Yeah, has been. And I noticed your appearances on Century Radio, BBC Radio Lancashire, and Radio yes. Stoke are impressive. Yes, Can you share a bit about those experiences and how they contributed to your growth as a presenter. As I was saying, uh, Century Radio invited me to their studios and it was in Media City and I went on the breakfast show and that was good because it was seeing how I wanted to see how a commercial radio station worked. Um, so that was that was quite interesting. And then they came back to us and they came on hospital radios and they absolutely loved it. And they, they were really impressed. And like I said, they said that it's much harder to get on hospital radio than it is to get into commercial radio. Yeah, so on BBC Radio Lancashire, I've done a few things on there now, but we did, uh, when the station was 50 years old, some of the team went to see John Gilmore, who does the evening programme on BBC Radio Lancashire. He invited us into the studio and he did an interview with us. And they've been to our studio because they did a fundraising for children in need and they cycled into the hospital grounds and then they came on air as well. Yeah. And then Radio Stoke, it was a last minute. Um, I'd been to a show at the theatre in Stoke, Sounds of the 80s show. And obviously they'd seen my name online and they said, you're the perfect person to speak to. So they wanted to talk to me about the show. And because fortunately I got to meet Claire Grogan and I got to meet Holly Johnson that night as well. So they were very interested in what they had to say about Stoke. So that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. These things keep popping up now and again where I get asked to do things. I, I, it's lovely. And again, as I said before, you get that feel good factor when people appreciate what you do and they, you get. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, balancing a day job as an insurance broker with your radio presenting must yes. require great time management. How do you manage your schedule to pursue, to, to pursue both passions effectively? Yes, I do the radio, social media, so I have to do that. I usually do that in the morning before I start work and then after work. And then Tuesdays I do my show, so I'll come home from work because I'm doing hybrid working, so that's quite handy. So then I just obviously I go to the studio on a Tuesday. And, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it can be quite difficult. But I've got my weekends free. Oh, that's good. So yeah, I don't do any broken at weekends. So yeah, we, weekends are free. So that does help quite a bit. Uh, I noticed collecting vinyl is another hobby of yours. You've talked yes. as well. So how does your love for vinyl records tie into your role as a radio presenter and your passion for music in general? I started collecting vinyl in the 80s. I had cassettes for quite a while and then I went on to vinyl and I started getting more and more vinyl. And then, of course, we moved over to CDs. So I've got a massive collection of CDs now. But then the vinyl started coming back and then I started picking up rare vinyl um, of particular artists that I like. And then it's, obviously it's absolutely flourished 
the vinyl market and then they keep releasing ones in nice pretty colours and <laughs> my, 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 one of my latest one of my latest memes that's gone down absolutely perfect on uh, Twitter is it, it looks like a book cover you know, the old penguin books mm-hmm. and it says um, I'm not going to buy any I, I'm telling myself I'm not going to buy any more vinyl and other other jokes to be told. And that's gone real, down really well. And a friend of mine said, that is you to a T, because it's like, oh, somebody's it's colour that, oh, I'll have to have it. So, yes, it's <laughs> it's got a little bit, it's got a little bit out of hand, if I'm honest. Uh-huh. Don't let me husband hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always right all along. <laughs> Could you discuss the process of preparing and conducting interviews with fellow artists and musicians? Any tips for engaging and insightful interviews? I haven't done that many, if I'm honest. But like I say, the ones that I have done, it was like when I did the one with Claire, I said, this is going to be not like any other interview that you've been. I said, you've had before, because I said, it's like, obviously, when press do it or tv or whatever they seem to ask the same thing over and over again or they go over the the same old ground whereas I like to ask them stuff that perhaps nobody else would ask them about the particular record that they did or something that they're interested in or like when I did it with Claire she was in a kitchen she had a dog barking She had a daughter sat there eating a bag of crisps and she had a husband, which her husband was the original guitarist in Altered Images. He was at the he was doing the washing up. So it was like I said, oh, don't treat it as an interview. Just treat it as a chat with an old friend sort of thing. I said, and I'm the old friend because you don't look old enough because she's I mean, she looks fabulous for her age. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we just talked about we talked about all sorts. and And she started telling me about the new album and none of this had gone out anywhere she was telling me about yeah so it was like because she'd opened up and we just got chatting and then every time I see her now we just it's like we're old friends anyway we just chat and it's she'll so it's it's the same with Martin Kemp and Steve Norman's found our ballet as well um they're just like we just chat to them and Steve, Steve again he's interested in hospital radio he's uh, a big advocate for it he's recorded for us as well and yeah yeah so it's you do speak to a celebrity uh, a true celebrity you think sometimes that their eyes glaze over and they uh, you think oh no they're bored so saying yeah. Something asking something different or being something different must be a real thrill for them, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you get more out of them when you do that rather than yeah. just what's your favorite color and what yeah. you think of your biggest hit now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Yeah, I, I met Toy, oh gosh, it must be about 15 years ago. It's the first time I've met her, and it was at um, a Comic Con event. And she was there and she was sat behind the desk. She was on her own. I took my son and I just got chatting to her. And I said to Ryan, I said, do you recognise this lady's voice? And he's like, I said, it's the Teletubbies. <laughs> and she was laughing. And then she was. we got talking about living in Birmingham. She was talking about Duran. And then we got talking about a song, what a particular song. And it was obvious somebody I'd never asked her this before. Because mm-hmm. she was like, oh. And she was like, she, she was really putting the thinking cap on. And it was... Yeah, it's just how you approach it, I think. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. No wonder if you've got a, such a big following. <laughs> so radio has evolved 
significantly over the years. Um, yeah. How have you adapted to changes in the technology and audience expectations while maintaining your unique style? Oh, like I said, when I first started on the hospital radio, it was literally CDs, mini disc. That was it. It would just go out through the hospital. Then, obviously, it's evolved with the fact that there's you can use your own laptop and there's computers. And I've been quite late to that, if I'm honest. I still like the traditional using the CDs and that sort of thing. But I do like to mix it up by using sound clips and stuff like that, which is stuff that I wouldn't have done before. So, yeah, I've had to, I've had to move with the times a bit. As, as for audience, yeah, if I'm doing a request show, it's whatever that patient wants, even if it's a band I don't like or it's a song I don't like, that's not, doesn't even come into it because it's important that, you play what the patient asks for or someone who's outside the hospital even. So, yeah, because that can be challenging at times, playing something that you don't particularly like and introducing it and saying something positive about. But it's just what you do. Is there anything you wouldn't play, like The Suicide is Painless by MASH? And all yeah, there are quite a few hospital radio songs that we, we don't play. Uh, yes, that's probably going to be one of them. Uh, there's a really good 80s song that, that I like that's very popular called I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight by The Cutting Crew. Oh, yeah. We decided that's not suitable. <laughs> the Jam, The Bitterest Pill, uh, Stairway to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get asked for these things occasionally. We get asked for My Way a lot. Now the end is near. One of the in most fact, requested. Yeah. In fact, in... The year 2012, I did a countdown of the most requested songs on Chola Hospital Radio, and my way was at the top. Yeah. It's a brilliant song, isn't it, though? Absolutely. Yes. And then we had we have patients that will ask for a Christmas song in July, and we'll play it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because if that's what they want, the, they, they've come up with a reason. Is there a genre um, you won't it? touch, so, like, Punk rock or rap? Uh, we'll play it as long as it is suitable. There are some rap songs that are suitable, very few and far between. But yeah, no, nothing's really off, off limits. Instrumental. We do get quite asked for classical quite a bit as oh. well. So we've got quite a nice selection of classical. Have you got niche shows for each niche? Yeah. It, are live shows all the way through? Have you got syndicated shows? Yes, we have syndicated shows. We have, like I said, we're on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. On our website, it gives you an indication of what is on. And some of the pre-recorded shows are particularly timed. Like we have a love song show that's on 11 o'clock till 12, which is like more quiet amusing. And then there'll be like a meditation hour of music and then we have we have a, what we call a mystery hour and then so that's on in an afternoon and that's um pre-recorded shows but they go in a loop they, they, they can be played once and then they can be played again in a few weeks and it mixes it up then on a Sunday morning we used to in fact only up until before Covid we used to have um a church service every Sunday oh. for the patients to listen to We've had to change our strategy with that. So we do hymns now because it was getting a bit complicated 
with it was coming from the same church and other churches wanted to be involved and so we said the best way is to just keep it generic and just have we just have hymn music but that's every Sunday and that's very well uh, received. Right so you have your religion and yeah you have a rock show do you? Yes we have like I said we have we have a wide variety of different stuff like so we've got uh, we've got a new show we've got one that's where he's doing all American music mm-hmm. So that's a new show. We had a show on a Saturday that that was all vinyl from start to finish. So who decides this? Is there somebody that do you get together or does somebody just say, this is what we're going to do? Yeah, no, everybody, it's, it's, quite, it's quite free in the fact that people put ideas forward and then if we can fit it in, we'll fit it in. Or, for example, the one, the love, show, love song show, he works away, so he pre-records everything and sends it in. So that works and he has a show going out Monday to Friday. And he has to time yeah. that so that it fits. Yeah, your... yeah exactly. Yeah. But no, nothing. We were very open and try and let everybody do what they do what they want, really, and that that will fit with the ethos. That's fantastic. So for radio station owners creating a dedicated fan base, that's crucial. What strategies have you employed to connect with your audience and foster listener loyalty? We have a, we we started off with our Facebook page, and we've we had that right from the beginning. So we had a lot of people join that, and people join in the area, and then like it spread because then individual presenters then present uh, promote themselves, and then get them their sort of people to like our Facebook page. And then we, we, we went into the Twitter and the Instagram um, a few years ago, and that, that seems to work quite well. Book I find is you make a statement and then that's it. Whereas with the Instagram stories or the Twitter, you can start something and then it can roll from there. Like on a Tuesday night, I... I've got access to my own and the radio one, so it's so that the conversation will roll between eight and nine. Uh-huh. So as someone who's passionate about the 80s, how do you infuse nostalgia into your radio shows without losing touch with contemporary trends and interests? Yeah, to be honest, I, this is the thing. I don't do 80s all the time because I know it's not what people want to hear all the time. Although, obviously, some of my followers are into the 80s, they also have a wide variety of music. So if I'm doing the request show, it will be determined by who's in the hospital. But then I can play additional tracks and I can gauge it from the playlist, the type of people that are in and the ones that I can add to. I do, like I said, I do some specials, 80s specials. I've done Christmas Eve every year bar one year I think because I got snowed in and I do a very it's called a very 80s Christmas and it's just an hour where I do memories of Christmases in the 80s songs that were at number one on Christmas day in in that decade and I'll play old adverts um, clips and things and just bring memories back really and just things like that. So it, that is very specialist. But like I said, I do only do that once a year. And then when I first went back, the first show I did, 
basically because I needed to remind myself of how to use all the equipment. <laughs> I did um, a 40th anniversary of Hits of 1983, and that was really popular. So I put up a, to- uh, a poll on Twitter to say, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to do 1980 plus three years, because obviously it's, it would have been 40 years in 19... 19- in- 2020 and then I put a poll up and said 1980 1981 and 1982 anyway everyone's voted into 1982 so tomorrow night I will pick artists and songs from that period and I I do tend to pick artists that say for example when I did 1983 I used um, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton Islands in the Stream because I know that's the sort of Thing that goes down really well so I'll tailor songs that I like but also that will keep in with the hospital radio sort of theme mm-hmm. tomorrow I'll pick something from 1982 but I'll pick it from like a something like by Cliff Richard or some somebody like that so it's sort of that's how I keep it fresh really I don't just play yeah. what everybody expects you to play and you, that's good when I get the comments that oh I've not heard this on the radio for a very long time and, and so you, you mentioned you do polls and, and you get answers to the polls and that creates a feedback how what other ways do you get feedback from your audience how do you know how you're doing how they're feeling do they write in do they phone in or text you sometimes they send us messages say that they're grateful that that somebody's been around to visit them or they've enjoyed listening to the show. We get people say messaging on the Facebook, really. That seems to be the best, best option. And then we do get people say on our Twitter as well. It's always great to have something to read out as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, very much. Yeah. It was yeah. at the show nicely and it's quality. I do know of presenters that make their requests up just to make yeah. it sound busy, but you've just got the perfect station there. Sounds yeah. amazing. <laughs> no, that's. Can you share a, a particularly heartwarming or memorable moment from your time as a hospital radio presenter that reaffirmed the impact of your work? We had a long term patient that was in, and he was, he used to tell everybody in the wards that you had to listen to hospital radio, and he used to ring up. And he used to make a request. He was in for a long time. And yeah, he would, this was before the internet. So yeah, he was, he used to ring up for a chat and things like that. And then, like I say, sometimes when you go down on the wards, like I said, you, you know, I said earlier, the wards were quiet and you go in and you try and get people talking and then get one person who was sat next to another person. If they didn't want to like talk, you'd get them talking and things like that, really. There's been so many things over the years. I can't just think of something off the top of my head, apart from this one time that I went into the ward. And like I said, it was very quiet and we got talking. And then I think one of the patients must have asked me about what music I liked, which was quite a surprise. So I got talking about 80s music. And then she said that she'd recorded over her daughter's Top of the Pops appearance from Duran and she'd had to write to the BBC to see if she could get a copy of it. And then somebody else chirped in and then somebody else. And it just is the, the coming together that, that's good. Those little magic moments. Yeah, yeah. Your experiences span several various radio stations. 
What have you learned about the unique dynamics and challenges of hospital radio compared to other types of radio broadcasting? This is why I never went on commercial radio or anything, because I wouldn't like them telling me what to play. This is the freedom you get on hospital radio, is that you can play what you want, but also you can tailor it to the people that are staying in the hospital and also people listening outside the hospital now like I said that's become a very big part of it so yeah that is probably another reason why I wouldn't ever want to go anywhere but doing hospital radio for that very reason because you lose your creative input um yours it's a it's some producer yeah yeah I'm I'm my own producer so I can tell myself what to do (laughs) (laughs) Um, a lot of our audience and and most of them are are, are up and coming presenters and station owners what advice do you have for aspiring radio presenters and station owners who want to make a meaningful impact in their communities and beyond They, they need to understand their audience they don't want to be looking at what everybody else is doing because everybody else is doing it you need to be looking at ways of being slightly different looking at the way they're output their music like I said not playing all the same old song and the personality they just need to be themselves and and just put their own passion into it and that will come across and that's what I think that's what makes Chorley Hospital Radio a bit different because we all put our own into it. So it's not, we, we always say we're not like any other radio station. Yeah. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. I think it's good. <laughs> I'll certainly be tuning in now. Laura, thank you for being the star on our show. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> and I, I do hope we can talk very soon again and see oh, yes. getting on there. Thank you very much and thank you yes. for your time for the po- podcast and I can't wait until this gets out to the world because you've just given yes. the most amazing insight into hospital radio it's oh, dying you. people say it's dying it's, off it needs no, if it is in some areas no, and you're, you're, you're the proof of that yeah absolutely yeah it's it is still very important and they, they do studies in the NHS on music therapy and all that sort of thing and it always comes out very positively and I, like you say, I hope it continues. And I wish you lots of success with your show as well. We'll have to get some some of your shows on our station. Thank you uh, to that. Yeah. If somebody wants to get in touch with the show, how would they contact you, Laura? We have our requests at chrweb.org.uk. That's probably the best one that comes through to the studio and it, quite a few of us get to that email. So for anything, basically, people can get in touch like that. And then, like I say, on our Facebook page and our Twitter and our Instagram as well. And like I said, we've got our new app that's just been launched and that apparently, I've used it and it's absolutely fantastic. It's just really good. I love and, the one touch and it comes on. Yeah, yeah, it's just amazing. So... Yeah, so that's uh, very positive. So that's a good step forward for us. Yeah, I love that. I love the way you're keeping up with the technology and, and yeah. wheels turning. It's yeah. incredible. And so thank you very much for that. We'll put your contact details near the video and near the audio yeah. podcast. Laura Bowshaw, thank you very much. Goodbye. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening. For more details of any of our podcasts, please visit vinylimpressions.club.